The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Well, hey, good morning, Fathom Church Online. Uh, Good to be with you again this morning. My name is Chris Martin. I am the lead pastor here at Fathom. Uh, Man, just excited to be together. Uh, If you would, please grab your Bibles, uh, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. That's where we're going to be this morning is 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, you can uh, Google search 1 Corinthians 7. It'll be there. Uh, But uh, 1 Corinthians 7 is where we're going to spend our time this morning. Um, So for the last few weeks, we've been on the topic of sex, uh, and and as uh, it, it's it's kind of a a middle topic that Paul gets into in First Corinthians, this book that we're working our way through. And last week, Tim uh, Yoder, our uh, interim youth minister, he brought us uh, a message specifically about sex in marriage, and that it is a good gift to married people. Now. Um, Today, Paul begins to address something a little different, uh, and we move into a section where he talks about unmarried people in the church. Um, And and so uh, just as way of kind of like, uh, you know, a buffer here, I I am a married man. I will be talking about single uh, people today, uh, unmarried people today. And so, uh, yeah, no opportunities here for me to just shoot myself in the leg, but I just want to talk through the text and and make some observations uh, from that. Uh, Just so you're aware, about a quarter of our church here uh, is uh, our our unmarried single people. Um, And and so this is actually a very pertinent thing for us to to understand and to learn from. And and Paul has some really interesting things to say, I think, uh, that actually uh, are are very countercultural when it comes to singleness. So um, unfortunately, I would say for for many of us, we've been uh, in Christian circles or communities where it is implied, if not explicitly stated, uh, that there's something wrong with being single. Okay, as if it's some sort of like junior varsity status to be looked down upon. So I've experienced this. Okay, I went to a Christian university and and I remember the first, literally, I think the first weekend at the school, there was a mantra that was going around. And the mantra I learned that first weekend was ring before spring, like like a wedding ring, an engagement ring before spring. And I didn't know it at the time, but there were whole heaps of, of students there who, who weren't primarily there for an education, but were primarily there to find a spouse. Um, and, and, and now hear me, I, I was there for an education, but I, I met my wife there, so I can't necessarily bash the end result for me in that. But it's just fascinating how um, the culture of the church revolves at times around marriage and really ostracizes singleness. Um, and, and hear me, there are churches and there are ministries who either intentionally or unintentionally function as something of like a speed dating kind of meat market for single Christian people. Uh, literally, I've had uh, guys who would leave our church who have told me, dudes who have left our church to go to other churches because they want to find their spouse and we don't have a singles ministry. We don't have a singles ministry. So here's what they do is they go to that church or that community or whatever it is. And they show up in their like their ripped jeans and their bro tanks, like doused in cologne. And then when all the Christian honeys are kind of in the worship thing, they're watching. And, and that, that dude, he just lifts his hand right 
at the perfect moment. You are perfect in all of your ways. Like this is the moment. Like it's just like Christian girl stink bait. Like that's what he's putting out there. And I'm, and I'm joking a little bit, kind of, right? I'm just, I just a little bit here. Um, but I want to say this whole like Christian single, Christian, you know, mingle kind of meat market thing I think it's built upon a faulty view of singleness in our Christian culture. Okay, singleness is sometimes looked down upon uh, by Christians, but the Bible, the biblical viewpoint uh, of these things is much, much different. So let's, let's dig into what Paul has to say, our brother Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 about singleness. So we're going to start in verse 6. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this, verse 7, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Um, okay, so Paul, he starts this section, this section with this elevation of singleness when he says, I wish that all were as I am myself. And now Paul is talking at that point about being single. Paul was a single man. Now, there are some scholars who believe that he was uh, a widower, so that he at one point was married and then his wife passed away. Uh, some think that he was just a single man for life. Uh, I, I, I myself think that he was actually a, a widower because uh, he was a part, we think, of the Sanhedrin. And to be a part of the Sanhedrin, you needed to be uh, married. Either way, he is a single man. He is unmarried at this point. And so those words right there for 1,500 years approximately, really until the Reformation, the, the, the Christian church viewed singleness based on Paul's kind of words there as a higher calling than marriage. Okay, thus they would they founded the, the monastic movement, monasteries with celibate celibacy of priests and nuns and monks and all of that. Like that, that that was kind of in response to this idea. And I actually read this week as I was studying that there was a, a church council in 345 AD, uh, so 300 years after Christ, uh, where they actually had to rebuke people who believed that marriage, that being married, prevented a Christian's entry into the kingdom of God. That's how seriously they took singleness. Now, I think that's a bit extreme, okay? That's a, an extreme view of singleness. I don't think Paul is trying to put marriage into like a second class either. Um, rather, I think Paul is really speaking pragmatically about the benefits of being single. And we're going to get into that in, in just a minute. But, but the crux, I think, of the start of this passage is, is when he says, each has his own gift from God. Each has his own gift from God. And really, this is my first point this morning. Um, singleness is a good gift from God. Actually, Paul's calling both in this moment, both marriage and singleness, good gifts from God. But singleness is a good gift from God. And the, the, the Greek word for gift that Paul uses there, that gift, uh, that the word there is charisma, charisma, which means in the Greek, it means a gift given by God, given by grace. It's like a grace gift from 
God. And we're going to get into this uh, a, a lot later in 1 Corinthians, but, but this same word is used later in the book where Paul, when Paul starts talking about spiritual gifts, like charismatic gifts. They are charismas. They are gifts. So, so here's what we can derive from this. Okay, two things. First, your marital status is a gift to you from God. Your marital status is a gift to you from God. If you are single, God has given this to you as a gift. For however long you are single, it's a gift from him to you. And and if you are married, God has given this as a gift to you. Okay, for however long you are married, this is his gift to you. So that's the first thing. It's a gift. The second thing is that gifts from God are always meant for the building up of something bigger, the church, the kingdom, God's body. Gifts are never meant for you alone, but for the building up of God's body. Our entire lives are to display God's Love. So if you're married, if you've been gifted with marriage, you're to display what I would say the depth of God's love. You're to display the depth of God's love by limiting yourself to loving one person exclusively, permanently, and intimately. Like that's, you, you show God's depth in how you love your spouse. And if you're a single person, you're to display the breadth of, of God's love in your freedom and time to express the love of God to a broad range of people. So, so if you're, if you're married, it's about depth. If you're, if you're single, if you're unmarried, it's about breadth because you have more ability to love people in uh, the way that God would have you, but your marriage and, and, or your singleness, they're not for you. They're not for you alone. They're gifts meant for the building up of the body. Now, Paul is going to move specifically now into talking about the benefits of singleness. Uh, so let's look at this in verse, uh, verse eight. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Now, why would Paul say this? Why would Paul say this if in fact he sees both marriage and singleness as good gifts? Why would he say, hey, you should stay single? Well, Paul is referring to, I think, the benefits of being single. And, and there are benefits to marriage, obviously, uh, that, that we, we could get into. But, but, but let me make my second point here, okay? And, and, and that is that singleness has benefits. There are benefits to being single that you do not get if you are Married, And I just want to state that Paul is in this, he's both pro-marriage and he is pro-singleness. But he, he, he openly acknowledges that there are benefits and there are challenges to both. And so I'm actually going to skip down a little further uh, into a passage we're going to look at in a couple of weeks down in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, verse 28. Let, let me read this. This is what Paul says uh, in verse 28. He says, but if you do marry, you have not sinned which is great news, okay? For, for 75% of us, we're not in sin because we married, okay? This is, Paul is pro-marriage, but he goes on, and if a betrothed woman marries, that's an engaged woman, uh, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. 
And man, I just love this. I am so thankful that Paul puts that in there because he's just being so extremely honest and pragmatic here when he's like, hey, listen, marriage, it's hard. Okay, it, it, it brings with it a whole bunch of problems. And so to my single crew, like I would just want to spare you of that. I would just want to spare you of that. Now, now, just because modern evangelicalism seems to prop marriage up as this ideal, right? That doesn't mean that the Bible does. Because Paul is ruthlessly honest with us here. Look down a little further in verse 32. This is what he goes on to say to uh, those who are single. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Verse 35, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Okay, so, so I, I think the benefits for marriage are easier to identify. Companionship, He's already talked about the good gift of sex in marriage. Those are easy to identify. And that's why I think Paul is going to pay a little closer attention to the benefits of being single. Because he says here, hey, a benefit of being single is that you can be free of anxieties. Now, believe it or not, there are anxieties that come with being married. There are anxieties. He says this, married people have to worry about pleasing their spouses. And it's a beautiful thing in marriage, a benefit even in marriage, but it's also a cause of great anxiety. My job is, as, as Marcy's husband uh, is to cultivate her heart. It's, it's to, to tend to her emotional and her spiritual and her physical well-being. And while there are many parts of that that, that are excellent and good, um, it's also at times very difficult. It produces anxiety. I mean, things changed when I got married. Uh, I, I knew some of them, but, um, but, but when I got married, a lot of the freedoms that I had as a single man, they changed, okay? Because because when, when I was single, you see, I, I had, I could do whatever I wanted. Not, I mean, not whatever I wanted, but like I, like when it came to hobbies, I had hobbies. I had lots of hobbies. I dabbled in lots of different things. I've got a whole basement full of gear that, that, that proves it. Okay. I just don't have the ability to do all the hobbies I like to do anymore. And it's, it's cause I've got a wife, I've got a daughter, I've got other things bidding for my attention and my affection. When I was uh, single, I, I had expendable income. Okay, I, I, I could just buy things for myself when I wanted to. But as a married man, like, I, like hear me, I, I spend money on things that I never knew I needed. Like today, I buy things uh, the, the, all the time. Like, I, hear, hear me, I have bins of decorations in my basement for every single season of the year. In my basement. Okay, I've got like I've got a bin in my basement marked spring. It's our spring bin. In it, there are Easter decorations, fake flowers for decoration, hand-painted wooden signs that say, welcome spring. Okay? Those are things I never had when I was single. 
Next to my spring bin is my fall bin. We have a fall bin that's marked fall. It is filled with artificial gourds. That's what we have. I never had these things. When I was single, I had no bins. I had no decor. Actually, I take it back. I did decorate my apartment. The theme of my apartment was walls. There's blank walls. But as a married man, I am constantly buying uh, or, or let me, let me rephrase that. Not buying. I am constantly receiving Amazon confirmation emails that tell me that I have bought so many things that I had no idea I needed. Picture frames, water filters, organizing bins, soap. Like I hardly ever bought soap when I was single. I'm buying soap all the time now. See, when I was a single man, I had more time. I had, I had expendable time for myself. When Marcy and I, I remember when we were uh, engaged, we were in premarital counseling. And one of the questions that was asked of us was this, hey, how much time does each of you think you're going to spend with your friends once you're married? And, you know, confidently I was like, yeah, well, you know, maybe I'll spend like, you know, a, a night a week with, with my buddy Ryan. Like maybe we'll, we'll just hang out like once a week or something. Um, and, and my counselor literally in the room laughed out loud at me. I just, I didn't realize. I didn't realize these things. Things changed when I got married. And again, back to what I said earlier, in marriage, I get to display the depth of God's love for one person, for Marcy, for one relationship. But, but when I was single, I got to display the breadth of God's love and how I loved all of my Friends, it, it's just different, but there's anxieties, there's challenges. So if you are married, listen, there are real benefits to being married. But if you are single, here's what Paul is saying to you. Okay, whether you're single for a season or you're single for the long haul, here's what he's saying. You have freedoms. You are free to be anxious about the things of the Lord. You are free to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. This is a gift to you. But Paul does add one more caveat in verse nine that I want to point out. It reveals one struggle specifically for single people. So look back to verse nine, first Corinthians seven, nine. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And so, yeah, there are benefits to singleness, but let me make my third point, and that's this. Singleness has challenges. There are challenges to being a single person. And Paul specifically, in this case, points out one challenge, the challenge of sexual temptation. Now, uh, this is kind of a strange little verse here. It's a weird verse. Uh, I actually knew a guy when I was in high school, a Christian guy, a few years older than I was. So he's like, he's like 19. Okay. Um, and, and he was trying to follow Christ. He, he, he loved Jesus devoted. Um, and he was dating a girl, started dating this, this gal. Uh, and before I knew it, he had proposed to her. Like he had just proposed to her and, and they and they rushed to the altar and they got married. Now, now this is not to say that you shouldn't get married at 19. Okay, this is just descriptive. Okay, lots of people get married young. Um, but 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 before they got married, my friend told me that they were just so 
tempted to, to be sexually active that he was like, man, I, I just had to propose so, so that we could get married because I'm just burning with passion. And Paul says, just get married. Now, I, I'm betting they didn't use that verse at the wedding ceremony. I'm betting that the pastor who performed the wedding ceremony wasn't like, all right, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 9, you're not able to exercise self-control. You're burning with passion for one another. Let's do it till death do you part. Like, I'm sure that wasn't read at the wedding. And, and listen, I get it. Tem- sexual temptations when you are a single person are, are real and they are difficult. And it's probably not the best reason to just go ahead and, and mount up and get married right then and there. Uh, but um, it, let, me, let me put it like, so, so Tim last week, he preached that married, uh, that sex within marriage is a good gift. And I agree and sex is a benefit of marriage, but it cannot sustain a marriage. It is not what you should get married for. And I don't think that's what Paul is saying. Let, let me talk about sexual temptation in singleness for just a minute, okay? Um, first, one of the cultural lies that, that we have all kind of bought into uh, is this. In order to have a full and meaningful life, you must express yourself sexually. That's a lie. That's a lie. The lie that that in some way you will live a drab and neutered existence if you're unable to be sexually active. That is a lie. A cultural myth, as it were. The idea that your sexuality is linked to your identity and and your flourishing is actually a result culturally of Sigmund Freud, not the Bible, not a biblical idea. It's not biblical. So singles, you are bombarded with this message all the time, that if you're not having sex, you're missing out. You're missing out on something that's good and that's great and that's awesome, but also even more so the culture is saying you're missing out on something that is defining to your identity. And that is just a lie. I don't want to downplay how strong that cultural message can feel, but here's the truth. You do not need to have sexual experiences to be complete and fulfilled as a person. Sex is not integral to your fulfillment as a person. Here's what I think Paul is actually saying in verse nine. Hey, some people, they have the gift of singleness for their whole lives. But if you aren't able to exercise self-control over those sexual temptations and desires as a single person, then you are probably not meant to be single for your life. You are probably meant to be a married person at some point. I mean, remember verse 28, Paul says, hey, there's, it's not sin to be married, but Paul seems to indicate that marriage is not the most desirable condition that like in his mind, being single, content, self-controlled, that seems to be Paul's highest standard. And he's just saying, Hey, if you can't handle the sexual temptation and the control, you're probably not called to that. You're probably not called to that. 
Now, there are other challenges to singleness that our text does not get into today, but, but, but Paul is not painting a, a picture of like single bliss here. He's being honest with us. The reality that there are benefits, but there are also challenges in this gift of singleness. So let me, uh, let me give some points of application here uh, for us when it comes to singleness and our church community, okay? Uh, because yes, a quarter of you are single, but, but we are all a, a part of this together. We're all a part of this church family. So, so to our single crew here, okay, if you are single today, first, let me just say this. You are not some sort of second tier of person just waiting to find fulfillment in marriage. You're not. Like, sure, if God has marriage for you in your future, that will be good and great. But until then, I would encourage you, implore you, practice your singleness as a part of your commitment to Christ. Let me give you uh, a few ways to do that. First, I'll put it like this. Be intentional while you're single. Be intentional while you're single. Don't just live like you're waiting. Like this is the prelude to your actual life, which will come at some point. Like live the most fulfilled, joyful life that you can right now, even if you don't want to remain single, even if you're discontented in your singleness, okay? Be intentional with this gift that God has given you for the time that you are in. Goodness, God used uh, men and women all throughout the scriptures who were both married and unmarried for his purposes. Your marital status is not what defines you. So you got to be intentional. Be intentional. Second thing, uh, be healthy while you're single. Be healthy while you're single. I'll often tell uh, single people that, that the best thing that they can do, the best thing that they can do if they want to be married one day is to, is to while they're single, work on becoming the type of person who you want to be when you're married. Like the habits and the practices that you put into practice right now are, are shaping and forming who you will be one day. So you need to ask yourself the question, like what do I need to do today to live out of a healthy singleness for Christ. Like, what do I need to do today? What does your devotional life look like? What does your work life look like? What does your recreational life look like? Do you have strong rhythms built into your life? Have you built good boundaries around your time and your, 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 your personhood? Are you intentional in your singleness, growing in your personal holiness in your singleness? Like, are you doing the things that stir up the delight in your heart for Christ? Like what restores you? What replenishes your heart? Invest in those things. Practice your own health. Invest in your own health. And then third, third, be in community while you're single. Be in community while you're single. Singles, you are a vital part of our community here at Fathom. You are not second best. You are not weird. No, you are vital to our 
church. I mean, goodness gracious, we have two staff members. I'm the third staff member. There's two staff members, Amanda and Whisper, who are both ferocious women after God, and they're both single. Like, you are a vital part of our church, and we need you. You are a gift from God for the building up of his body. And listen, if you are single, you will experience loneliness different than a married person will. But the church is supposed to be part of aiding that. The church is a family. We're supposed to be family for each other. And as best as we can, we need to open up our homes. We need to open up our lives. We need to learn from one another. Okay, married couples and children and singles, we need to all be intermixed together. This is why discipleship groups at Fathom have always been mixed age and stage. We just want the body of Christ, the rich fabric of the tapestry of this church to be intermingled together. So Marcy and I have lots of friends uh, in our our home, uh, different people from our our church, people from outside of our church. Uh, We have people in our home uh, pretty often, but we have one gal from our church who is single uh, and, and she comes over every couple of weeks and uh, just hangs out with us, eats dinner with us. Actually, before COVID, this whole COVID thing, she was hanging out with us once a week for dinner. And, and this was like, we're not putting on any show. Like we're not bringing out the nice China. Like she would just come over, eat whatever we're eating with us. It was just dirty and raw. And that was kind of our thing. And, and, and listen, she loves Harper. She loved on Harper and Harper loves her. I mean, just loves her, asks when she's coming over next, wants mama to do her hair like this gal's hair. Like that's what, and and, and so we pour into her life and she pours into our lives and she's seen us at our worst and she's seen us at our best and we've seen her at her worst and we've seen her at her best. Listen to you, I, I want single friends in my life. I want single friends to pour into Harper's life, to pour into my life, married people here. Listen, you need singles in your life. You need to open up your life to single people. And, and to my unmarried friends here, to singles here, you need married people and their kids in your life as well. Be in community. That's the call. So church, if you are married, that's your gift. That's your gift to be used for the glory of God and for the building up of the church. And listen, if you are single, if you're unmarried, that too is your gift. To be used for the glory of God and the building up of the church. So let me leave us with uh, two prayers, okay? Two prayers from uh, uh, Pete Scazzaro's book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, where he has a chapter on leading out of your married or single life. Uh, One prayer is for married people. The other prayer is for single people. So if you're married as I'm praying this, let this be your prayer. If you are single as I'm praying this, let this be your prayer too. For the married couples. Lord, grant me the strength to answer your call, to be a living sign of your love. Make my love for my spouse be like your love for them, passionate, permanent, intimate, unconditional, and life-giving. May I be as present to them as you are so that all the world can see your presence manifested in our tender love 
for one another. Help us both to stay close to you in the body of Christ and continue to nourish our love with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Now prayer for the single people. Lord, grant me the strength to answer your call to be a living sign of your love. Make my love for others today reflect your love for me, loyal, faithful, unconditional, and life-giving. May I be as present to others as you are to me, so that all the world can see your presence manifested in my tender love for others. Help me stay close to you in the body of Christ and continue to nourish my love with your love. In Jesus' name, amen.